Hey there, what's going on, Warriors? Jeff here from WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy. Welcome to podcast episode number 454. Now, you and I both know that you never really know when a criminal is going to attack. And so, the true warrior is never unarmed. But not every threat is going to require you to pull out your Master Blaster 5000 from its holster and start sending rounds downrange. Now, it could be a panhandler who's not displaying a weapon, but maybe getting a little bit too close after you've already stated that you don't have any change. It could be a belligerent parking lot bully who's twice your size with his finger in your face trying to teach you a lesson because you grabbed the spot that he was waiting for. Or it might just be drunk Uncle Albert at a family picnic. Maybe he's had five too many and he wants to throw down because he got left out of daddy's will. There are a lot of different cases where a firearm or other lethal weapon won't be justified or maybe not even available, which is why it's always best to have some form of less lethal self-defense tool that you can access for these types of situations. Now, in this week's show, I'm going to share with you my top seven list of the best, less lethal self-defense weapons that you should consider for everyday carry. Now, I know a few of these are going to surprise you. I'm hoping to really give you a new, realistic perspective on how to stay armed everywhere you go. And don't forget to grab this week's free one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points I cover here. You will find it in the Loot Locker section of our Warrior Life Academy, and you can access this, as well as our other cheat sheets, training manuals, audio programs, and a whole lot more, all absolutely free, just by going to warriorlife.com loot. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey, what's going on there, Warrior? Jeff Anderson here, warriorlife.com and Warrior Life Academy. Okay, you and I both know that the best self-defense weapon that you can use against a violent attacker, especially if they're armed, is going to be a firearm. So for home defense, you have your options of all kinds of different firearms that you have there. If you're carrying concealed, like a lot of us do, your everyday carry weapon, your everyday carry firearm, that's going to be your best weapon against somebody who you can demonstrate to a court if you have to, actually plans on delivering deadly force to you. So you are legally justified to send back deadly force. However, as you should also know, that is not always going to legally be the case. For your own self-defense, your firearm, if you, are, if, you, if you do carry, or if you do personally own a firearm for home defense, if that is the one thing that you're counting on, then you're overlooking a lot of different factors that can make that the worst weapon for you to use for your own personal defense. Part of that is because if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So if your go-to is I have a gun and that's all I'm going to need, and you're in a situation where you are not legally justified to even draw your weapon or show your weapon, then you could potentially be in the line of fire for, you know, figuratively speaking, for a legal problem that you could have. Felony brandishing. It could be, it could be you might not be justified to even show it, let alone use it. So unfortunately, when these attacks happen, or if you are confronted by somebody who you feel threatened by, but you can't demonstrate to a court that you felt like your life was in danger. Maybe it's somebody who's angry and shouting at you at a, in a parking lot. You might be very, very afraid of that person. They could be twice your size. But 
if you draw your weapon or if, if in your mind you're like, how am I going to, what am I going to do against this person? Like they're, they've got their finger in my face and they're threatening me and I'm in the parking lot and everybody's around. You might feel very threatened at that time. So your brain might just go into, how do I defend myself against this person? I need to get out of this situation. Whether it is even embarrassment or you do feel threatened by this person or they're threatening bodily harm but don't show some sort of intent and you can't demonstrate that intent or, um, or iterate or uh, uh, vocalize that intent to le- legitimately to a court, then your brain might go to draw your weapon. You might get to a point where you're so angry, you're so bewildered, you're so afraid that you draw your weapon as an instinctive response when you might not legally be justified to be able to do so. You might not think that that will happen right now, but right now you're likely not watching this and in the middle of having somebody who's twice your size with their finger in your face. So the legal side is one way that your firearm might not be the best self-defense weapon for you. The second thing is that the first rule of gunfighting is that you have to be able to have a gun. We always say that, like the first rule of gunfighting is have a gun. Well, you might not be able to get to your gun. Most attacks do happen within a very short space, one to nine feet. Over half of, uh, this is from an older report from the FBI, over half of the police shootings that led to death happened within one to five feet. It was zero to five feet. It was right up in that space. And so for you, most of these attacks are going to happen either as an escalated argument, something that got out of hand, such as a a parking lot argument over a parking space or road rage or you dent somebody's car or whatever, right? Or it's going to be a close quarters ambush because criminals aren't that stupid that they're going to jump at you from 21 feet away and they're going to, you know, they're not looking for a fight. They want to just ambush you, get the crime over with, get their stuff and get the hell out of there so that nobody sees them and they're not caught and have to go to jail. So that's not going to give you a lot of space to be able to just draw your weapon. No matter how fast you are down at the range, if you can even draw at the range, you're, you most likely, that person might be able to, is going to respond and stop you from being able to draw your weapon, or you're going to fumble through it because of the adrenaline factor and all these different things that are going to, that are going to play as factors there, right? So all of these things, and there's, there's other options also, but, or other reasons, but you need to understand that you need to have a backup option that is less than lethal. I say less than lethal because almost every tool can be lethal in some way. But you have to have some other option for your own personal defense of legal justification for being able to use a weapon. But also, uh, if the situation does not call for it, you don't use it, you don't get into legal, uh, legal problems there, but also you might need a less than lethal version either to be able to get yourself out of the area, just be able to get this person away from you. It might be a situation where somebody's drunk you're at a party, you're at a festival somewhere, and they're giving you a hard time, but it's not something that you just break out old Betsy and start blasting away. You, there's a lot of different reasons why you would need to get this person away from you, and you would need a less than lethal version of something or of a self-defense tool. So what are the best non-lethal or less than lethal self-defense weapons that you should carry on your body? Well, I have seven less than lethal options that you should be carrying or consider carrying 
for your everyday carry. Now, I'm going to go over these top seven. All of them are less than lethal, except for only one is considered non-lethal, I would say. And it's one that a lot of people don't really think about as a weapon, but it's actually one of the most effective self-defense weapons that you could possibly have. That's coming right up. So let me go ahead and go through these top seven of the less than lethal self-defense weapons. Also give you some tips along the way for pros and cons, but also some ways that you might consider carrying them as well. All right, so the first one, and I just have to say this, and this might be a no-duh moment for you, but first and foremost, it is going to be your hands. Now, if you are in a close quarter situation where you are ambushed by somebody or it's an escalated argument, and it is a lethal situation where you have to get to a firearm because this person has demonstrated in some way that you can articulate to a court that your life was in jeopardy, if I need to get to my concealed handgun, most likely I'm gonna to have to use my hands to be able to get there. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that I ever see among people who carry concealed is that they just assume that you are going to get to your firearm. Chances are you are gonna to have to fight to your gun and you have to know how to do that. Unfortunately, too many firearms owners, especially if they're concealed carry, don't put the, as much time and training into the one skill that most likely you're gonna to have to use, which is going to be your hands, you have a much higher risk of using, having to use your hands than you are your firearm. But we put more emphasis on our firearms training than our hands-to-hand training. Now, it does not mean you have to be either a Navy SEAL or a martial arts expert, but there are a few moves that you have to be able to use. They're easy to master. They use gross motor movements. They're very, very effective, even against people who are bigger and stronger than you just to be able to gain that space between you and the attacker so that you can get to your weapon. So one of the things we talk about in like our Defeat Larger Attackers program is just being able to use your hands and be able to, where the head goes, the body will follow. Just being able to use your hands to get up in their face, push them off, is going to give you that distance. It puts them off balance. It gains you the distance that you need to be able to get to your firearm. That's just one example of some very, very simple martial arts, self-defense moves, if you will, that will help you to be able to get to your gun. But you do need to have some sort of hand-to-hand -hand training, no matter what type of weapon that you're using. Because no matter what you're gonna use against somebody, you still have to be able to defend against them and also launch your attack. And a lot of these weapons, you can, you you can use very effectively, but they're not gonna work by themselves. So you still might need to enter in to a close quarters situation with them. You might need to know your distances. These are all things that you learn in different hand-to-hand -hand systems that are out there. You learn about the kicking distance and the close quit and the grappling distance and what you can do in those areas. Well, the same thing applies when you're using self-defense weapons. All right, so first and foremost, hands are, are number one on, on the list here, okay? So the next one I'll talk about is your flashlight. So I'm gonna, for those of you that are watching, I'm gonna use Bob here instead of using it on my personal carry, but these are weapons that I carry with me for everyday carry. So I would say that I use my flashlight probably more than any other everyday carry tool that I ever carry on myself. Now there are a ton of different tactical flashlights, if you will, out there. Personally, I've, I've used a lot of them. The one that I like the best was actually given to me as for a review. It's by Through Night. This is the BSS V5. 
I did a review on this on, on our YouTube channel. Um, I have received no compensation other than them sending me one of the flashlights. But since I got this, I love this flashlight. I use it more than any other tool that I have. This and the small knife that I carry, uh, our escort knife that I carry on my belt. But I use this a lot because, and it has so many great features to it. It has a, a firelight version, so or, or a firefly version, so that it's very, very low light. I might use this for sneaking out of the bedroom in the, in the morning when I don't want to wake up my girlfriend. I just want to get to where my clothes are. If I lost something, I don't have to like have this blinding light. Uh, I like the, the firefly. It's even helped me like in concerts, be able to get to my seat, things like that where I'm not disturbing a bunch of people. But it also has a turbo version on the tail cap that frankly, it's like a 747 is landing in your face. I've used this thing like at concerts where I'm in the nosebleed section and, and the person up on stage will say, hey, use your, uh, let me see your flashlights. And I take it out and, and you can see every, pretty much everybody in the stadium just kind of look over and it's like, where the hell, what the hell is that? Because it looks like a, a, a 747 landing. So I like this because you can blind an attacker, but it also has a, an attack bezel ring on it that you can use for striking. So it will... You can use it for striking the face, other, other targets there, but it works very, it's, it's very easy to use, very effective. But a flashlight is a good self-defense weapon as well, both from a physical standpoint, from, from striking, as, all, as well as being able to blind somebody, even with the strobe function there. Having this out, it's very preventative because as you're going through a parking lot, you can use it and you look like you are more... Uh, like you're more alert, so a criminal who is waiting for somebody, waiting for a victim in ambush, might hold off until they can they can get somebody who is a a more a better target, an easier target. So I do like I do like this a lot. The other thing I like about the uh, the through night one is that the bezel ring screws off. So going through TSA, I travel a lot. So if I if I go through TSA, I can take it off. I just put it on my finger like it's a ring, and it, that way they don't pull out the flashlight and say, hmm, this thing looks like you could use it to strike somebody. So flashlight is number two on the list. Now, number three is going to be a stun gun. So this is something that you can carry on your person. If you are a woman, you can put it in your purse. Uh, I have, we have a compartment for our strack pack. So for, for everyday carry, I also do have an an off-body carry position for a lot of different weapons. A strack pack I use because it is, um, and we designed it as a sling pack. It's very easy to get to everything that you need without taking it off. There's a lot of different reasons for it, but one of the, uh, the pockets up here are e either used for comms, but you can also use it for um, the stun gun. So I like stun guns a lot. Now this is, there's a difference between a stun gun and a taser. Taser is what you see that looks very much like a, like a firearm and it will shoot out a projectile that's attached to the wires and those two prongs go into the, uh, the attacker, hopefully, and will, it, it'll immobilize them. So it sends uh, millions of volts through their body and it will incapacitate them. With a stun gun, it's not like a taser. It's not going to, to immobilize them. It's not gonna stay attached. It's essentially two prongs on, on a small device and just by turning this thing on, uh, it's very, now it can be very intimidating. You can use this to get, like to scare somebody off. Um, even animals, like my dog hates this. <laughs> He's walking around right now. Uh, but this can be very effective. It can also malfunction. So this might not have all of the 
the juice that you needed to have. You might have forgotten to charge it up. There are rechargeable ones. There are ones with batteries in it. The batteries might not be very strong anymore. Uh, this one I like because it does have, you know, just plugs into the wall. I don't even know what, which one this, or where I got this one. But this is one that, I mean, I, and I keep a bunch of these. Like in my, car, in my vehicle, I have two different, two different stun guns. One is more like a cattle prod. The other one is a smaller flashlight version. But I, I do like those because they work very well for, for carjacking or if you've got homeless people. Trying to get in your, you know, just kind of get in your car, just begging or whatever. You can just kind of zap them. But this is just going, but it is designed for close quarters contact with this person. So you, that does mean that you're going to be up close and personal. So this might work effectively if somebody is on top of you, you need to get them, uh, them off of you. You can pull this out, just turn it on very quickly, and stick it in their side and jab them. Now it doesn't always work because if they're heavily clothed, it might not actually have much of an impact on them. And also if they are either drunk on drugs or just a badass, sometimes, I mean, you can, you can kind of grind through it a little bit, but then also it's really comes down to these little, little prongs on top and those can get bent, pushed away, turned around, knocked off, and then you don't have a, a voltage coming out of there. But that is an option that you have there for a, a self-defense weapon. Okay, the next one that we're gonna talk about is going to be pepper gel. So, and you'll notice that a lot of these are weapons, if you will, or self-defense tools that police use. And there's a reason, the same reason that you would perhaps use them. That, that not every situation that a, that a police officer shows up to is going to require lethal, lethal force. And so they need to show something that be able to use the right tool for the right job. And so it might be a less than lethal one. So obviously they have pepper spray on them. Now I do recommend a pepper gel just from the standpoint of if there's other people around, including you, and you go to use pepper spray, it might come back. The wind might blow it back at you. Now you're immobilized. And now if you're trying to drive away or run away, you might be incapacitated to some extent also. Uh, also with the uh, just with pepper spray, there are some cons to it. So if the person has glasses on, it might not be as impactful. Uh, again, the spray, if they see it coming, they might just hold their breath, close their eyes, put their head down. And now if you miss them, it's going to be an issue also. But it, it, for anybody that has ever been in security or in law enforcement, you have to be sprayed with it in order for you to know what it feels like. And it just sucks. It sucks for a very long time. And police officers, I mean, there have been I mean, they can, they can attest to this when they're booking somebody, but also if like they're grappling with somebody and their partner pulls out pepper spray and hits the person, sometimes the other officer is getting hit also. And so now all of a sudden, I mean, asking the officer, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of officers out there. I'd love to hear your stories about, about pepper spray. Also, it's not, a, it's not foolproof against people. So some people might be able to grind through it. You might be able, you, I'm sure there's videos online you can find where people have just been able to just overcome the effects of it and just keep pushing past and still coming after you. So even if they, even if their eyes are burning and they can't do that, if, if they can touch you, if they can get to you, they might be, they, they might have more adrenaline going and their, their attack might be even more forceful. So it's not a, a given, but it does give you a little bit more distance also. So there are some, some pros to this as well. All right. So that's for the, uh, the pepper. Now, one that is that most people do not carry, but of course law enforcement does, is a, an expandable baton. 
Now, with all of these weapons for self-defense, you want to check your local laws because not every place even allows you. I think California is the only state that doesn't even, well, surprise, surprise, that doesn't even allow you to own a, 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 a telescope like any sort of baton that you're going to use that's intended to be a baton. And you might, you might, this could be anything from a full-size club that you have, or it could be uh, a telescopic expandable baton that like, like this one. This is a very small one. If you're watching here, it's a very small one. It's, and you don't need a, a full-size one, like a, like a, like a police officer does, but these are really good weapons. Now I will tell you that if you had the option, if I said to you, if I'm going to use one self-defense tool on you, it's going to be either a stun gun, it's going to be pepper spray, or it's going to be a baton, which would you choose? Like, okay, well, I'll, if, I, if I'm going to get hit with one thing, I'd prefer it be this because it's not going to be as damaging. A lot of people would say that they would rather get hit with, like, um, that would be the, the, or I guess the most effective what they would think would be like a stun gun because a lot of people don't understand what the stun gun actually is. Anybody that's ever been sprayed with pepper spray or seen somebody knows that that sucks for a very long time. So somebody might think that, well, at least I can defend against an expandable baton. But I can tell you that if you are actually hit with all three of them, the expandable baton is gonna be the one that you are not gonna have, you're not gonna want to have on the next strike. If I said, okay, well now, now if I give you a choice, what's gonna, which one don't you want the most? It's gonna be the expandable baton, if any of that made sense, right? But with just a flick of the wrist, these things come out, and this is going to give you, I mean, unlike pepper spray, which you can run out of, they might be able to put their eyes, you know, close it and put their head down. With an expandable baton, you're gonna be able to strike them over and over again, so it's not gonna run out of ammo, if you will. And it's going to give you a lot of different options here. So I do like the expandable baton, but again, you really have to check your local laws and see who, if you're allowed to own one and if you are allowed to carry one and what it takes to be able to carry one. In some states, you have to be able, you have to have a concealed carry firearm license, and then you can carry a baton. Some don't allow you at all. Some allow it just at home or in between your home, which might be your, your, your home and your vehicle and your boat, but you can have it in between there. So there's a lot of little loopholes there that you're going to want to know about. But an expandable baton is something I hardly see anybody actually carrying these. And you can carry it off body carry or you can put it on your person as well. Okay, one that a lot of people do talk about, and I'm going to just, our strap pack here, turn this around. And one that well, a lot of people do talk about is going to be a tactical pen. So this is going to be uh, weapon number six. With a tactical pen, I can tell you that if you have a true tactical pen, it is, yes, they're effective, right? It's basically a, an impact weapon that is not a knife, but is still going to give you the ability to strike somebody with it. Now, not all tactical pens are created equal. And if it's a true tactical pen, like you buy online or Nowadays, you can get them for free plus shipping. Be very careful about what you're, you're getting as the uh, nothing's free, right? But those will typically be confiscated if you do take them traveling. I've, I told a, a story a while back. I listened to a guy. I was at the airport, and he had this very – he spent over – I think he was like $34, $35 on his, on his tactical pen, and it was taken away, boom, like that from TSA because you're not allowed to have those there. And also, a lot of them are just not very – well designed for self-defense. They'll have this glass breaker, like carbide tip on top of it. But the best way to use a tactical pen is where you can get your thumb on top of it and able, be able to reinforce your strikes. Now I have the, uh, the stealth tactical pen. 
It does. It looks like a regular pen, but it is super strong. It's made out of uh, aircraft aluminum, but it's got a, a very thick design to it. So you can, I mean, it's very, it's heavier than another pen of its size. It doesn't have a whole bunch of little gaz, gizmos and gadgets on it, but it's very, it fits very well in the hand. It's easy to grip, has a flat top for it so that you can strike with it. The clip on it does not have sharp edges on it. So as you're stabbing, you're not cutting up your hand. That's important because if you go to get to your weapon after being able to gain some distance, maybe with your tactical pen, because that's what you can get to uh, earlier, or, or you can get to first and then be able to get to your handgun. Uh, you, I want my hand where I don't have like slippery blood on it. I can get to my weapon and be able to draw it. So I do like the tactical pen, very, very effective. Now for carrying it, you might have it on your pocket. You can put it into, for us, like with the Strack Pack, for example, we have a, a special loop because the Strack Pack, you know, whatever you're using for off-body carry, if you're using that, it has a hidden compartment inside of it just for a, uh, well, for anything that you want, but it has, it's a hidden handgun compartment, so it's designed for that. But this gives me something to grab onto, so if I am gonna get to my weapon and I swing my strap, uh, the sling pack around, I can just grab, I don't have to, I can just grab the pen, basically, and just pull, it's Velcro, I just reach inside, it's right in my, it's right in my real estate, right in front there, and I can just get to my handgun right there. So it also acts as, an intermediary to be able to get to my other weapon as well. Okay, so tactical pen is weapon number six. Now, let me get you to self-defense self weapon number seven here, which can be accessed, either, on ours, it, it can either be accessed in front or if you flip it around, it'll still be accessible as well. And that is going to be a personal alarm. Now, I always carry, I've tried carrying this in, in a lot of different places. I like it in front of me, especially on my everyday carry, my sling pack, because, and, and this is, I, I like it right at the center of my chest, because if I'm going to go draw my weapon, if you bring, if you're the type of person that brings your, your hand up as you're drawing, so you, if you're, if you're drawing your weapon, you're bringing your hand up somewhere to cover you, whether it's for self-defense or whatever, but it's right there. So a personal, why I like the personal alarm and the only like non-lethal version is because criminals do not want to have attention brought to them. They don't want to get caught by anybody. And with the personal alarm, it has a high decibel alarm when you pull, you simply pull the pin on it. But the one that we have, this is, we have six o'clock tactical, we have uh, one of our, our own here, has a high decibel alarm, but it also has a strobe light. So a lot of times if somebody, whether it's a, you know, like a vehicle that the alarm's going off, you're kind of looking around like, where is that coming from? I can't really tell because the sound is going, to, uh, is going to echo around. Same thing goes with personal alarms. If you pull it, people might not know where that is. If you pull this, it has a, an LED strobe that goes with it as well. So one of the reasons why I like it in front of me is that if I'm struggling with somebody, I just pull the thing, it goes off, but the strobe light is going to blind them. So it's facing away from me, it's gonna blind them. It surprises them with that, with that shrill sound and that is going to attract attention, so they might just hightail it out of the area. It could even be a situation where I'm struck, I'm shot, or I am uh, cut. I start to lose consciousness, and maybe I'm expecting, like, hopefully 911 has been called and somebody's gonna let them know, hey, I think I hear something over there or whatever. If I pull that, then even if I'm unconscious, the strobe light and the sound is going to bring in a 
first responders, all right? But I, I love the personal alarm for that purpose. Now, the other thing is that I can fight while it is hanging off of me. I can still use my hands. I can still get to my gun. It's still providing all of the other benefits that I need from this weapon to be able to get to it. And this is something that even if you have a spouse or someone who is not very aggressive, they're, they're not the type of person that would typically fight back or would maybe they're smaller, they would have a hard time fighting back. This is something it's not, like a personal alarm is something that is not going to be intimidating to them or they don't even need training for it. You just need to be able to pull it and the alarm goes off. And, I, and again, I don't see a lot of people using this. I think that a lot of people that, uh, especially men that carry a concealed weapon, think that they don't need something like a personal alarm. In fact, typically don't need, think they need any of these. But a personal alarm, I would say, is one of the, the best self-defense weapons, in quotes, that you could possibly use or give somebody as a, a gift as well. All right. So those are my top seven self-defense weapons that are not a gun, but I'd like to hear from you also. What are some of the pros and cons of some of the weapons that we went over? And then also, what are some other ones maybe that you carry or have access to or suggest to people that I've not covered. So please go ahead and leave a comment either where you are watching the, if you're watching the live stream on one of our social media channels, like on Facebook or on YouTube, go ahead and leave, you can leave a comment there. Or you can go over to our website at warriorlife.com or you can go to warriorlifepodcast.com. It'll take you over to the section where we have our podcasts and you can leave a comment there as well. So I really appreciate all of your support and go ahead and leave a comment. And until our next broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying live like a warrior. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.